You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's Tuesday, October 31st, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk Podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, happy Halloween. What are, you, what, are you dressing up, what are you dressing up as tonight to scare the kids? <laughs> I'm just wearing my normal face. That scares enough people. <laughs> there, there you go. Um, the Well, I, I tell you what's scary is the Rangers, when they're on the road, uh, the, the Rangers take Game 3 of the World Series 3-1. Uh, to one. They've won nine straight road games in this postseason. Uh, it looks like uh, they're pretty tough to beat uh, right now. And uh, even with the uh, their starting pitcher, Max Scherzer, uh, experiencing some back tightness and uh, Adolis Garcia leaving the game with a, a, an injury to his side, uh, they're still able to to pull out uh, a 3-1 to one victory and, and set themselves up pretty nicely there uh, in Arizona uh, against the Diamondbacks with, uh, you know, a 2-1 to one lead now in the se- series. Yeah, Joe, uh, just they've been dynamite on the road, like you said. And uh, when a series is tied, uh, you know, when the first when the series is tied after two games, uh, the team that wins game three has has gone. It's happened 99 times in World Series history. And the team that wins game three goes on to win the World Series 69 percent of the time. So that's 68 and 99. Now, uh, we all know. uh Odds can, judging by, I think uh, Cleveland was in the same position in 2016, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, and uh, that did not go uh, uh, the Guardians' way. But uh, you know, so the odds are in uh, the Rangers' favor. Yeah, the, if I recall, in 2016 they split in Cleveland, and then they won three straight games in in Chicago before uh, uh, before. I'm sorry, they won uh, they they won two of two of three games in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, before coming back uh, home to Cleveland with uh, a 3-2 advantage and, and uh, uh, losing both of those. So, uh, you know, who knows how that's going to go uh, as far as the, the remainder of this series. All I know is uh, the Rangers are a team that's built to win in October uh, as, and built to overcome obstacles like losing Adolis Garcia. We've got guys like Marcus Simeon. And uh, Corey Seager, who step up in in big moments when uh, when they're they're needed, and and Seager sort of certainly did that last night. Uh, and then you you saw that the uh, the Rangers you know bullpen took over, and and they were able to uh, to come out and 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 you know 
back up and support Scherzer after he goes down with a, a you know, a, a tight back. Yeah, Scherzer goes three scoreless. He looked good, Joe, going on, uh, you know, in those three innings. Um, but, you know, it was it was obvious that he was in pain coming out for the fourth inning. He went to the mound. They took him out. Uh, John Gray came in and did a great job. Three scoreless innings of relief. His second really strong performance, you know, out of the bullpen. And, uh, you know, now both teams for game four are going with a bullpen game. It's, uh, I, you know, it's crazy, Joe. I, you know, you wonder just, I guess, the depth of each starting rotation when you go this deep into the postseason, you know, you go wild card, NLDS, you know, NLCS, and then World Series, the fourth round, you're start, you know, you really have to have a deep rotation or you get, or you have to have a, a bullpen game now and then. Yeah. And, and now I think teams are a little less, uh, you know, scared of or, or worried about throwing bullpen games, uh, you know, especially when they have the kind of arms that you can throw at the, uh, at, at a team uh, coming out of the bullpen. Now it comes down to, you know, which of these relievers, you know, given a, uh, an inning or two are, are going to be able to go out there and get their job done and, and not make mistakes in executing. I think uh, it's, uh, it, it, it's really interesting to see uh, how these become like almost uh, little one inning games for these guys uh, when, when they go out there. Uh, I, I like the idea that, you know, both teams have sort of embraced uh, the, the approach of, uh, you know, a bullpen game for both sides and, and either by, either by necessity or, or just by, Hey, this is our best way to win our best chance to win. Uh, again, a lot of this goes back to the way Terry Francona handled the, the bullpens in that 2016 uh, a world series and, and, and how he managed his staff when it was shorthanded the way it was, you, you know, these staffs aren't necessarily shorthanded. It's just uh, knowing who gives them the best opportunity uh, to, to win in a, in a given situation. And I think that's what they're facing with, uh, you know, in, in tonight's ball game. Yeah. You know, uh, the Rangers are starting lefty Andrew Haney. Uh, he, uh, you know, the last time out, I believe he only went an inning uh, and uh, you know, so uh, he, and his last start was a game four of the NLCS against uh, the Phillies. He goes two thirds of an inning in that game. But uh, I think, uh, you know, they, they, um, they came out and uh, they, they lost that game, but obviously they came back and won game seven. Uh, Joe Mantiply is, is uh, or Mantiply is, is uh, starting for, uh, starting for Arizona. You know, he, uh, he uh, in, in game four of the NLCS, um, he, uh, you know, faced three batters and he's in there just to, uh, basically face uh, Corey Seager, slow him down, mm -hmm. you know, for the first inning or two. Yeah. And, and you can, you can sort of match up that way and do that man to play two and uh, with a 4.26 ERA in the postseason. Uh, but, but in this postseason, we've, we've seen, uh, you know, Texas, uh, really be able to, to jump out in front early, uh, to get, uh, an early lead and then, and then just sort of, uh, navigate and and cruise through the, the 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 middle innings before shutting things down late. Uh, credit to Bruce Bochy and and just the way he's he's been able to sort of it, you can really see the the experience and and how that's uh, that's really helped him. Uh, you know this is a guy who they brought in for this reason to to be the the captain in these moments where um, 
you, you know, they, they sort of need that experience to, to close out these close games in the postseason. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, he's, you know, kind of steadied the ship there. Uh, LeClerc is, you know, he's kind of been a revelation, yeah. Joe. Uh, mm-hmm. They're closer. I mean, you know, Adalus uh, Chapman, who, you know, seems has, has shown some, you know, kind of wear and tear around the edges, got through uh, the eighth inning last night and LeClerc finished it off. But, uh, you know, uh, he, you know, he's really he's pitched well. You know, I I would the temptation is to almost overuse him. But, right. uh, you know, I think they've done done a good job with him. Uh, you know, a lot of people were worried about the ratings of this uh, this World Series and the matchup isn't all that, you know, sexy or whatever. Uh, what do you think so far of the, the games, of, uh, the watchability of this World Series and, and you know, how good have the games been, uh, just in your opinion? Oh, I think I think they've been great. Uh, you know, we're getting to see, you know, two of the best really kind of young players to me in Seager and uh, in Garcia. You know, I mean, Garcia, if that's a, you know, if that's what it looked like, that injury, um, you know, the, the, uh, he looked like he tore an oblique last night in the eighth inning. But, you know, what a hitter, Joe. He's hitting mm-hmm. in the postseason 323, eight home runs, 22 RBIs, 20 hits, you know, and it, if you take, the, if you add those, uh, you know, those power numbers to his regular season, he, He's he's got 47 home runs and 129 RBIs right now. I mean, he's just had an amazing you know year, and especially in the postseason. And you know, if if he can't go, you know that that is not good news for the Rangers. And then you know, uh, you know, with Seager, you know, he made it. He made that. What about the double play he made in the eighth inning? You know, that yeah. stop on uh, against uh, you know uh, Kate, uh against Marte. You know, I think it was 114 miles off the back. He makes kind of like a a lunging stop and then a backhand throw to a uh, uh, Simeon at, at second base to turn a critical uh, double play just uh, in the eighth inning of a tight ball game. You know, we're seeing him defensively and offensively. You know, he's got he's hitting 298, five home runs, ten home ten RBIs in the postseason after in the regular season 327. 33 uh, bombs and 96 RBIs. I mean, this guy, I mean, he's a pretty good player. He's got 18 postseason home runs in his career, Joe. And, and, uh, you know, he's got two hits this postseason. They're both home runs. Yeah, that's right. I mean, both home in the World Series. Yeah, that's what happens when you're in the in the playoffs every year with the Dodgers. You you get the opportunity to hit 18 home runs, I guess. uh, uh, That that's how you get there. But I think, uh, you know, what you said with that double play in the eighth inning, I, I think, uh, you know, I think his his defense gets overlooked a little bit. Uh, and, and he is a complete player. He's a two-way player. Uh, and it's not just what he gives you at the plate, which has been excellent, like you said, in the, in this postseason. It's the, uh, it's the two-way, uh, you know, sort of contribution and and the confidence that he gives his teammates. Uh, they, they, they really do point to him and they know that he can carry them. Uh, if they can just get the uh, the lineup flipped over and get back around to him again, uh, sounds like somebody that we're pretty familiar with and and uh, who plays uh, third base, uh, but started off as a shortstop in in Jose Ramirez. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's game three last night, game four again uh, uh, tonight. Uh, but I, I think the uh, you know just moving away from the uh, the postseason and the the playoff news, uh, the 
the big news that's that's still out there right now that Guardians fans are, are concerned about and, and uh, you know, keeping track of is the manager search. Uh, big developments within the last couple of days uh, regarding the the top candidate and the top, uh, you know, the guy on everybody's list in terms of if you've got a managerial opening, uh, the guy that you want to uh, land an interview with and the guy that you uh, would hope would would consider coming over to your organization uh, Craig Council uh, finally had his interview in Cleveland. What's the latest on Craig Council and where he might end up? Yeah, Joe, he, he came in yesterday, interviewed, you know, with uh, Cleveland's front office, uh, came to Progressive Field. Um, you know, he came alone, didn't bring an agent. He was by himself. So uh, that, that I guess that's encouraging one way or the other. I don't know how you view that. But, you know, uh, so, you know, just I think he's, you know, obviously – uh, I, I'm not sure they wouldn't say if he they made him an offer right there. They didn't lock the I guess they didn't lock the doors and not let him out until he signed. You know, I thought that they might they might have that Bart Bart Swain may have barred the doors and not let him out. But uh, I, I guess uh, you know he's scheduled to meet with the uh, the Mets later this week or early next week. Uh, you know, so he's still you know it's still uh, you know. I th- I think the fact that he came to Cleveland was was a good sign, and we'll see how it works. And you know, he just you know, you he's got a lot you know he's got a lot on his plate. You know, he's got he can go back to Milwaukee, which is his home. You know, he's from there. He's had success there. He's the winningest manager in in Brewers history. He's managed the most games in Brewers history. He's taken his team to the postseason. What five? five times in the last six years and he's got the a big money offer obviously waiting with the Mets where David Stearns his former boss is running the show now you know big market big team you know they can big time players they can get whatever you want you're not uh, you know kind of make trying to make ends meet in smaller markets like Cleveland and Milwaukee so interesting choice for uh for uh, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, just an interesting choice for him for counsel, and uh, you know he can't. I don't think he can go wrong, no matter what what, what team he picks. Yeah, and and he sort of holds all the cards in this situation, right? I mean, if he decides, nope, I'm I'm going to stay close and stay home uh, for my family, uh, you know, he can he can push the the Brewers to to give him, you know, sort of as much as as they're able to. Uh, make him a a, a, a decent and, and strong offer in terms of money and years and whatever. Uh, if he wants to to you know go for the big money, New York is is going to be there and they will certainly you know sort of open up their checkbook for him. Uh, what does Cleveland have to offer? Maybe that either one of those two doesn't. I, I think Cleveland really does sort of represent the 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 middle of that. I mean, certainly he could get uh, maybe a, they've been willing to pay their manager in the past. I mean, obviously Terry Francona, uh, you know, didn't stick around for free. They, 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 they paid him uh, nicely, maybe certainly more than council has made uh, in, in Milwaukee. So there's a willingness to sort of, you know, pay a, a little bit more for a manager here, but it's not going to be as much as what New York can do. Uh, and, and they don't offer the, the same level of, you know, sort of comfort that, you know, playing at home would offer him, but it's certainly not, the, the level of exposure that you would get in New York or, or, or just the, the constant churn, uh, you know, our, uh, our media is definitely not the New York media here in Cleveland. So uh, I, I think uh, there's, there's sort of a middle ground in both 
in Cleveland between Milwaukee and New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and, and it's an interesting, uh, you know, you've got, you know, Milwaukee has, has outdrawn Cleveland, you know, for the last decade. They've got a dome stadium. Uh, they've got a bigger payroll. You know, on the, on in, in New York, obviously, you're going to have a bigger payroll. Uh, you know, um, Cleveland uh, is kind of, uh, like you said, they're in the middle. And you, it's, you, you wonder, you know, you kind of look at it, where, where does this fit? How, what, what, what has attracted uh, you know, what, what's attracted counsel to Cleveland? And, uh, you know, I think, A, it, it's a chance to work with a good front office, a solid front office. This guy is, you know, you saw Francona, you know, end uh, an 11-year run here, and he did it on his own, on his own terms. You know, he wasn't fired. He wasn't kicked out the door. Uh, you know, so I think that would have to make a veteran manager, you know, a comfortable you know they they know how to develop pitching which is the key to to most to this to the sport we cover you know they, they've shown that um and i i think um so you know that i think that's something that you're also playing in a very competitive division in the al central as opposed to you know just a you know, just an, a, a dynamite division in, in the, in the NL East where, you know, teams win a hundred games and don't get out of the first round of the postseason or don't even sometimes make the postseason. Uh, so, and, you know, the, the AL Central is, I, I mean, it, it's, it's a competitive division, but it's a division where you can come back fast, I think. And the NL Central is, you know, a division he knows very, very well. And maybe his kids are in high school there. You know, in, in, in Wisconsin, he's from, uh, he lives in Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin. So I, you know, he's got, uh, he's got the best of both worlds. And I, you know, I just wonder what, you know, just what the, what the fit is between Council and Cleveland. Is it, I, I, it can't be money, Joe. I don't think it's got to be more than that, I think. Yeah. It, it's something beyond, uh, dollars. And, you know, it, it's maybe, a combination of does he see a path to to winning and being successful here and and does he you know have a relationship uh with chris uh Antonetti, mike chernoff that that could develop into something that that led to success like terry francona uh had when he was here what do you think the timeline is now uh with the these uh you know there's there we're at game four of the world series uh, there's an off day scheduled if they if they need games five or uh, game six and seven uh, back in Texas. There would be an off day scheduled on uh, Thursday uh, before uh, the, the final two games of the series. Uh, do you expect maybe something on that off day or if not, maybe uh, shortly after the conclusion of the World Series early next week? Yeah, I think it could happen pretty fast right now, Joe. I think the. Uh... The bulk, so the bulk, the serious part of the interview process is over. Uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, they, they, they hook up with some candidates phone wise or zoom wise, but I think, you know, they, they've done their due diligence. Now they just have to make a decision and, you know, do they do it, you know, during an off day of the world series or do they wait until the series is over? But I think it's, it's getting closer. 
do you think that they've already interviewed and they they have like a, a an idea right now who their uh their their choice is in terms of who they're going to make an offer to or or if they've already made an offer uh obviously with with counsel I, I mean the offer would have would have would have already come i think it, it's just in his the balls in his court in that situation but uh do you think that they've pretty much identified what their path is right now yeah i think so i think they probably got you know they're down to three or four finalists you know if if uh, if it's not counsel if uh, you know who you know it's the next guy Stephen Voigt vote maybe or you know uh, uh McCullough you know one of those guys uh so i think they've got their their three or four finalists and they're just waiting to hear from counsel perhaps or you know just uh, if if they don't think this is going to go you know, if counsel isn't, you know, says thanks, but no thanks, then they'll go to the next guy immediately and, and they'll name the guy. So I, I think they're they're ready to they're ready to make a decision. Yeah. Keep an eye on uh, perhaps Andy Green as a guy who, you know, has that right combination of experience. And, you know, it, it all depends on if it's a, the right fit or or not. Uh, announcement uh, yesterday of the Roberto Clemente Award winner. Uh, it's Aaron Judge from the New York Yankees. Uh, just, uh, you know, a, a year removed from his uh, MVP season where he set the record for home runs in the American League. Uh, it, it just proof that that Aaron Judge is not just a, a dominant force on the field, but uh, a force for good off the field. Uh, Jose Ramirez was the Cleveland nominee for the award. Uh, I got word from uh, from the Guardians earlier in the day that they were not prepping for any sort of big announcement yesterday. So, uh, you know, I kind of knew earlier that it wasn't going to be Jose. Didn't know it was going to be uh, Judge. But, uh, you know, obviously this is this is the award that uh, if you're not going to win the World Series every year as a player, uh, this is the award that you want to win uh, because it means a lot to a lot of players. Yeah, it's I think it's the uh you know the the top off the field award among MLB players. You know, Carlos Carrasco won it a few years ago. Jim Tomey has won it in the past. I think Andre Thornton won it. You know, it, it means a lot. It, it means a lot. You know, it, it signifies the the uh you know the the player's ability to connect with his community, to help his community. Uh, you know, to uh you know just uh be a full you know be be a, a force in in the community that supports the ball club. It's it's a great award and uh, really it's it's a uh, it's a uh, you know players really valuable value it. Yeah, uh, Aaron Judge, and not the tallest uh, winner of the um, uh, Roberto Clemente Award, actually tied for uh, being the tallest player to win the award uh, with Dave Winfield, uh, former winner of the Roberto Clemente Award. So. Uh, you know, that's uh, just an interesting fact that uh, the two tallest players uh, to, to win the award, I believe, six foot seven, uh, both of them, or it's six, 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 seven, something like that. Uh, it, you know, not that height matters. Uh, it's more about <laughs> heart in terms of, uh, you know, what you come up with there. So uh, very interesting uh, to, to, to hear, uh, you know, that that's the, the award. And now we. We do know what the uh, the award schedule is going to be as they continue uh, handing out, um, you know, honors from the, the postseason. It all sort of kicks off uh, on Sunday uh, after the World Series with the the Gold Glove Awards, uh, you know, coming out uh, on, on Sunday night. 
and then Monday we find out the finalists for all of the BBWAA awards, uh, which will be uh, handed out in about two weeks. Uh, we find out the finalists on Monday, so we'll we'll learn whether or not Tanner Bybee uh, made it into the top three in Rookie of the Year voting. Uh, really, that comes down to the the only one uh, I think uh, the only of the BBWAA awards that uh, a, a Cleveland player uh, has a, a a chance to be named in. Yeah, Joe, and and speaking of uh, you know tall players, uh, we've got to pass along a a RIP to uh, to Frank Howard and his family. The Washington Monument. Did you know he, he passed away? He passed away yesterday, Joe. He was he was my dad's one of my dad's favorite players. He, and uh, I remember there was a game in uh, against Cleveland. He was playing for the Washington Senators. Alvin Dark was the manager. Uh, it was in 1970, and um, and uh, you know he was facing Sam McDowell. Um, uh, uh, so, uh, you know, Howard was at the plate. Sam McDowell was, uh, was on the mound and, uh, Alvin Dark was the manager. Uh, uh, um, Howard owned Sam, Sudden Sammy. He was hitting like over 350 against him. So Alvin Dark moved McDowell to second base and uh, brought in Dean Chance. They walked to Howard to uh, load the bases, and the next guy hit into a a force play with uh, McDowell making the the fine, the second out at uh, or the third out at second base. He took a throw wow. from Eddie Leone. So <laughs> it was like that was that was kind of just stuck out in my mind when when I read that uh, you know Frank Howard had passed at I think eighty seven. Yeah, four time All Star, uh, World Series champ in nineteen sixty three, National League Rookie of the Year. Uh, led the league in, in home runs in the American League uh, twice, uh, RBI leader twice, uh, and and yeah, one of the one of the best players in uh, in in Washington, uh, you know, history. Uh, certainly a, a guy who, uh, you know, is you know very worthy of of, of all the uh, the honors and um, you know a rookie of the year, like you said. Um, just a guy, uh, you know. A, not a lot of people, not a lot of people in my generation uh, know very much about him. But Hoinsey, I think, uh, uh, you know, to hear the stories about what stands out in your mind about him, that's uh, it's certainly a, uh, a lot right there. Uh, yeah, he was, uh, you know, he played basketball and baseball at Ohio State, uh, you know, so he was he got drafted by the NBA and, uh, you know, chose baseball, chose to play baseball. Yeah, I, his nickname, uh, one of his nicknames besides the Washington Monument was the Capital Punisher. Come yeah. on, man, that's that's pretty awesome. It sounds like a Halloween costume right there. Uh, yeah, that's right. There you go, the, the Capital Punisher. That's uh, <laughs> interesting. Uh, all right, well, we, we've got to go uh, get ready for the uh, the trick or treaters tonight. Hopefully, the uh, uh, the two teams out there in Arizona will bring us some treats uh, in, in terms of the game. Uh, uh, what we can see uh, on the field. And uh, I think we'll continue uh, tomorrow with our breakdowns of uh, players on the Guardians 40-man roster. I think uh, uh, a rather important one is on the table in Jose Ramirez. We'll talk about him uh, and then uh, finish up the week, hopefully with more uh, Guardians manager news. Points here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. We'll talk to you then. All right, Joe. All right.